Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam, I'm Quick, and I'm Lee, and you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep, but to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for Duckets, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Duckets is for entertainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 <laughs> or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor nope, nope. or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Duckets. Hey, D&D fam. Welcome back. We are excited to have you all here. If you're watching, make sure you click this bell below so you are abreast of when we have new episodes. Yes, abreast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to let them know sometimes. <laughs> I know words. Uh, you know what? Uh, also, divasanduckets.com where you can sign up and get our newsletter and be aware of when we have new episodes as well. Um... What is on our docket today? So today, in honor of um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we have a special guest on that is going to tell us about her story and how she came out and conquered it and, like, blew up, really, really. Just, you know, <laughs> took it and made made her own power out of it, right? So we're just going to be honoring Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Okay. All right. So we are going to get into that. Um, But first, just to let you know, this episode is sponsored by Hunter's Affordable Bail Bonding. Um, They are here in all 100 counties of North Carolina. No bail is too big or too small. So if you know somebody, I know, you know, holidays coming up, people might get in trouble, get a little too much (laughs) juice in their systems. Just keep them um, on hand if something goes down and they need to get out. Their number is 704-377-3733. And their website is www.bailbondcharlottenc.com. And so we will have that information in the show notes. Um, So you could just have it if if you ever need it for future reference. And what areas do they service? They service all of North Carolina. So wherever you are, Charlotte, Fayetteville, the mountains. (laughs) A lot of y'all at Fayetteville. Well, right, girls. Here we go. All right, so let's get into this. This healing after domestic violence. We are so happy and honored to have on Dr. A. Rixby. Say hey to the people. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Yes, so tell us a little bit about yourself, just who you are outside of DV and HAD. Okay. I am Dr. Angela Rigsby, affectionately known as Dr. A, Angela, to my friends and family. I am a 33-year survivor of domestic violence. I am a mother, a grandmother, um, an advocate, a domestic violence expert, a friend, a line sister. Yes. Um, And... I don't know what else to tell you. Tell us about your daughter, because I know you're proud. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I have two daughters. Uh I'm very proud of both of them. My youngest daughter is here in Charlotte with me, and she has just completed her CNA license term, and she's going to be headed back to school to get her uh, nursing degree. My oldest daughter, mm -hmm, my oldest daughter has just been sworn in last Friday. She is a legal eagle. North Carolina Central University Law School grad. Uh, She was the managing editor and head of the law review. She was the SBA president. She is a mother, a wife, a minister, youth pastor, and now she is an attorney, a licensed attorney at Ellison Winters uh, Law Firm in Raleigh, North Carolina. So very proud of her, shouting her out, Legal Eagle. Congratulations. We love our black female attorneys on this podcast. (laughs) She has two aunties now. Right, right. 
So let's get into this a little bit. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. So um, you were in a domestic violence relationship or marriage. Yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the, the marriage, like just even going into the marriage? Because, you know, we've often talked about like red flags. Yes. Did you see any going into the marriage or just how that started? The happy times. I did. And actually, um, there was an incident of abuse prior to me getting mm. married. And that was a, a, a huge red flag. And what had happened is um, I was about 20 years old dating mm. this young man. Uh, very nice young man, um, very well-known in the community. His parents were well-known. His dad was a pastor, a minister, mm. well-known in Durham. Mm. And we started to date, and everything was great. Um, we were out <clears throat> one Saturday um, at his cousin's house, and we were just hanging out, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, his mood just mm. switched, mm. just like that. So he ordered me into the bathroom, and we went into the bathroom, and as we were in the bathroom, we were talking, and then all of a sudden, bam, he slapped me. And when he slapped me, my face hit the mirror because the bathroom was really, really tiny. Mm -hmm. It was an older house. So when he slapped me, my face hit the mirror, and the mirror cracked. Luckily, my face didn't get cut, and I'm standing there stunned like, what? just happened right. because I grew up in a home where my parents have been together since middle school. Okay. I never witnessed domestic violence in my mm -hmm. home. So, and I'm a big daddy's girl. So mm -hmm. the me first too. thing I thought about was, okay, I need to get oh, home to my dad. What? <laughs> Somebody take me to my car. Mm -hmm. Let me get home to my daddy. And that's what I did. I got, I got a ride to, um, you know, his cousin and all of them came out they were like what happened what happened what happened mm -hmm. and you know you could clearly see his handprint on my yeah. face and I was like he just slapped me I'm ready to go you know everybody's trying to calm me down right. and talk to him and he's like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry by this time I didn't want to hear nothing I'm right. ready to go home so I went and got my car and I went home um never said anything to my parents because at that point I'm like okay I've never had this happen to me before I'm done yeah. So a couple of days go on, go by, and I'm getting the phone calls, the crying, the tears, mm -hmm. the roses at work, and the flowers. And I'm so sorry. I have been drinking. It'll never happen again. Of course, that, that's called the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. So, um, and as women, you know, when we're in a relationship yeah. and when we love, we love hard. So and we are just, to and, and, and we are, and we we look have a tendency to look for the betterment in people. Mm -hmm. So I did, I was like, okay, well he kept, you know, he, you know, he at that point he had his own place and whatnot. So he gave me a key. Mm -hmm. And so this was back in the days we didn't have cell phones right, and right. all of that stuff. So if you, you know, you dating somebody, they give you a key, key. to their oh, spot. You can pop you, up. You not just pop up, you know, you get a key. I got a key a drawer, and I could answer the telephone. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh, so we good. So we continued to date, and um, after a while, he asked me to marry him. And there had been no more abuse or anything like that. Um, how so, about how long was that after the first Um, abuse? I would say probably about six months. Okay. Uh huh. So we Not went on dating for quite a while, and mm -hmm. no incidents or anything. So he asked me to marry him. We got married. Um, and not long after the marriage, the abuse started again. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where, you know, a push, a shove, you know, the talking, talking to me any kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, and not long after we got married, I, I would say within maybe four months after the marriage, mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant mm -hmm. with my oldest daughter. Um, so I found out I was pregnant. And so the abuse had been happening before you yes, found out yes, you got pregnant. Yeah. As a matter of fact, before <laughs> I got pregnant with her, um, it was an incident that I ended up in the hospital. And what happened was um, I had went to my family reunion and uh, went and hung out with my cousins and everything. And again, like I said, we didn't have cell phones and stuff back then. Mm -hmm. So when you left, you left for the day. Right, you right. didn't communicate until yeah. you got back. So I was gone all day, and when I came back, I actually had my cousin and her newborn, her baby with me. So mm -hmm. when I pulled up, we lived in a townhouse, so when I pulled up, he was there with some of his friends, and the door was opening. So he came to the door, and he slings the storm door open, and he's ordering me in the house. And I'm like, I'm thinking something is wrong in the house. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I asked um, one of his friends. if they could were married at this time? We were married, okay. yeah. So um, I asked one of his friends to help my cousin get out of the car. 
He got her out of the car. So we went upstairs. He ordered me upstairs. We went upstairs to our bedroom, and he slammed the door behind us. And he pushed me in a corner. Mm-hmm. And it was a corner, like, you know, like mm-hmm. like over there. So he pushed me in the corner. I'm like, what in the world? And he starts bamming my head mm-hmm. in the wall, and he's fussing and arguing and all in my face. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? What is happening? And at that time, he worked third shift at night and we were living in some newly built townhomes mm-hmm. and I was, you know, there at night by myself. So I was mm-hmm. keeping this knife by the bed. It was one of those older, you know, back in those days, they had those never neat sharpening knives mm-hmm. where it would go in the big wood chunk and every yeah, time yeah. you pulled yeah, it out, it sharpened it. Yeah. So I had that knife beside the bed, but I was keeping it there for protection because mm-hmm. people had started breaking into the empty units beside mm-hmm. us, stealing out the, um, you are out of their places. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was in that corner and I looked down and I saw the knife. So I reached down and I got the knife and I I pulled it and I was like, listen, just back up. Let me get out of this corner. You got me hemmed up in this corner. Back up. Let me get out of this corner. And I wasn't going to hurt him. So when I pulled the knife, he walked towards me. And when he walked towards me, I pulled back because I didn't want to hurt him. And when I pulled back, the end of the knife hit the wall and slid up my hand. And when it slid up my hand, this hand right here, it cut these three fingers mm. and almost severed them off to the point that, I mean, they cut them and blood just started gushing everywhere. My hand was almost severed. I screamed. Everybody from downstairs came running upstairs. By the time they got up there, blood was just gushing everywhere. Somebody mm. went and got a towel and wrapped my hand up, and I'm telling them, call 911, call 911. So they called 911, and they got me to Duke. And when I got to Duke, um, they looked at my hand, and he was sitting there in the ambulance telling me, don't tell them what happened. Don't tell them what happened. So when we get to Duke Medical Center, um, the doctors came in and they asked me what happened to your hand because we're going to have to do emergency surgery. Mm-hmm. And I look, he looked at me and he's standing over in the corner and he's mouthing, don't say nothing. Don't you open your mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't say a word. So I'm scared. And I'm like, I told him I cut my hand washing dishes. Mm-hmm. And they looked at my hand and they said, okay. So they right. walked out. After a while, another set came in. Everybody that came in asked me the same question. How did you cut your hand? They knew I didn't cut my hand washing well, dishes. Right. So um, they scheduled me. They had to schedule me for emergency surgery to keep me from losing my hand, uh, losing my fingers. So I was in surgery for about 18 hours. I uh, came out, and I had to go through... Um, like physical therapy? I had to go through physical therapy. I had to learn how to dress myself again. Mm. I had to learn how to wipe myself. I had to learn how to tie my shoe again because I had no function of this hand. And they told me that I may never be able to have a full function of this hand again. And to this day, at one point, they thought I might not be able to use my fingers, but I did. But I still don't have full function mm. of this hand. Um, and that was before I got pregnant. Mm. So at this point, and having to go through all of that and still lying to my family because when my family got to the hospital they were asking what happened Mm -hmm. and my dad told me later on he said they don't believe that you cut your hand washing dishes and they told me that what happened so I said I'll talk to you later and I I told him I have to talk to him another time Mm because he was always right there Mm -hmm. now back then during these times domestic violence was not something that was talked about it was always said that what happens in your house stays stays in in your house house. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't tell Um, and at that point I was really fearful because Mm -hmm. he was very intimidating Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't tell my dad until later on Um, but I later on and months later I got pregnant with my daughter and the abuse stopped so and you were 21 at this time? I was about 21 22 mm-hmm. um so at this point I went on through my pregnancy and I was about seven months pregnant and he came home one day and he was really upset about something I had cooked dinner and he was pissed off and he took the food and threw it somewhere and I'm just I was like okay I'm giving it I don't, I don't have time for this and by this I'm big and pregnant mm-hmm. and the next thing I know he takes me by my throat and by my neck and he throws me up against the door and he jacks me up by my neck mm-hmm. and I'm up against this door off my feet pregnant mm-hmm. and I can feel the air leaving my body mm-hmm. and all I could think about before I passed out, was grabbing my stomach, mm-hmm. and I grabbed my stomach, and all I remember saying was, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus. And I remember grabbing my stomach, and I ended up on the floor because when I came to, 
he was nowhere to be found. He was gone. And I was still sitting there, you know, holding my stomach. So I ended up, you know, the next day going to make sure that my baby was okay and everything. So by this time, I'm like, this is getting to be too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. This is getting to be too much. And I do not want to raise my child in an environment like that. Right. So um, after I had my daughter, mm-hmm. um, the abuse went on for a little, for a while. And I remember one day he came home. My breaking point was he came home one day. And he slapped me so hard that he knocked me down. And when I fell, I fell right beside my baby's carrier. Mm. She was sitting in her little mm. car seat carrier. And I fell right beside her. And I looked over at her face and she began to cry. And I was like, this is it. I can't mm. do this anymore. Mm-hmm. So when he left, I called my family, my dad and them. I called my dad and my dad came and got me and I left. Mm. Um, so you're probably thinking that that's where the abuse stopped. Well, I was going to say, did you? Leave that's not where it ended. Okay. That's not where it ended. I did leave. I did not go back. Um, I ended up getting my own. I stayed with my parents for a while. Was this the first time your daddy verbally knew that you were? No, because I had actually went to my dad not long after the knife incident, and I shared with him what happened. And I told him what had been going on. Um, And I do remember it distinctly one night. I told him what happened, and uh, I, I went home to my parents because he, we had had an argument, and he had hit me, and I went home to my parents, told my dad what happened. And I remember my dad going to the back and coming back, and he said, I'm going to follow you home. Mm-hmm. When we get to your house, you go in the house, and you stay in there. Mm-hmm. I need to have some conversation with him. And so it was that night that my dad um, had a conversation with him, but he made sure he saw his firearm and let him know Mm -hmm. if you put your hands on my daughter again it's Mm -hmm. gonna be some problems Mm -hmm. and so it was not long after that a period of time after that that he hit me that last time and I was like you know what I gotta go and so I I left I went home and I stayed with my family for a while my mom and dad and I eventually got my own place Mm -hmm. um so everybody thinks when I share because I do a lot of public speaking people probably thinking right then at that point oh so, you know, that's where the abuse ended. That's where it stopped. That's mm-hmm. not where it stopped. Um, it actually got more intense mm-hmm. um, because I was living my life. We were co-parenting. Mm-hmm. He was living his life. I was living mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Durham mm-hmm. in front of the chicken hut on mm-hmm. Fayetteville Street. Mm-hmm. I was down there in front of the chicken hut talking to a gentleman. I had pulled over talking to this guy that I know, just having some conversation. And my daughter was in the back seat of my car. And I had pulled over and I was talking to this guy. And How I, old is she at this time? She was probably about five months, five or six oh, months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was, as I'm talking to him, I see his car pass me and it goes up the street. And I'm talking, I'm watching. His car goes up the street and turns around, comes back. I said, oh God, here we go. So when he came back, he pulled a little bit further down um, and he asked me to motion for me to come in his car. I went over there. So by this time, I've got my self-esteem back. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good about myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm not in fear yeah. anymore. So I'm like, you know, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I went to the car and I'm, you know, I'm talking. I'm like, what is it? And he's like, he starts asking me all kinds of questions. What are you talking to him for? What are you doing down here? And I'm like, listen, you are doing you. Yeah, I'm doing together. it. We're not together. Mm-hmm. You, you do you. I don't bother you. Don't bother me. I don't, let's, let's just leave it alone. So when I turned and walked away from him, and when I walked away from his car, he re- I heard the, I heard the engine rear up. Mm-hmm. And he hit the gas. And as I was walking away from his car, he hit the gas. He hit me. He mauled me down in the middle of the street. I hit the I hit the hood of the car. I hit the hood. I bounced on the windshield and I bounced off the car, and I ended up on the pavement. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I laid there, I'm hearing people scream all around me. Oh my God! Oh my God! He just ran her over, and I could hear them calling nine. Somebody called nine one one, and all I could think, going in and out of consciousness, was get my baby out of my water. car. Mm-hmm. So the ambulance came and they took me to uh, Durham Regional. And uh, I told them they got my baby out of the car. They got me to Durham Regional and called my parents. My parents got there. And um, as I was in the back of the emergency, in the back room, they were telling my mom and my father, they were telling my mom and dad, um, she may be paralyzed. Mm -hmm. 
from mm-hmm. the neck down because I had no feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, we think she's bleeding internally. So we've got to, we got to do some tests. Um, and so they did some tests. They did a test the first time and brought me back out. And I'm laying there on the stretcher and my mom, and it's the stretcher at the head was cutting me in the back of my head. So I was trying to move. And my mom was like, no, you need to lay still because mm-hmm. if you move the wrong way, mm-hmm. you may yeah. never walk again. Mm-hmm. And I still had no feeling. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I was laying there, I, um, I, I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, um, if you allow me to live, mm-hmm. if you allow me to be able to take care of my child, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'll be an advocate and a voice for women and children of domestic violence. So um, they took me back in and... Uh, did more tests and the doctor said that the bleeding that they saw had dried drunk. They were out. We don't know what's going on. She's a miracle because the bleeding that we saw has stopped. Mm-hmm. So I, they kept me there and over the next 48 hours, I began to get the feeling back in my legs and in my arms and everything. And so I ended up leaving the hospital about two days later mm-hmm. and I was able to, to walk and have full function. Um, and so it was at that point I said, you know what? This has happened to me for a reason, and God, I'm going to keep my promise to you, and I have ever since then. So I've been an advocate and a voice ever since then. Was that the last instance of domestic violence between y'all? Like, did he go to jail for that? That was the last instance of domestic violence from us. He did not go to jail, and the reason why he did not go to jail, because again, this was 30-something years ago. The laws were not like they are now. Mm -hmm. Um, Domestic violence was not talked about. It was not mm-hmm. in the courts like it like it is mm-hmm. now. There was no DV court. There was no yeah. DV court. Um, mm-hmm. And so what they charged him with was assault with a deadly weapon with the intent to inflict serious bodily injury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my attorney asked me, they did arrest him. He did get arrested. Mm-hmm. He got arrested, but I, he bonded out like within a day or so. Mm-hmm. And my attorney asked me when we went to court, he said, do you want him to have jail? Do you want him to serve jail time? At that time, I was 21, 22 years old. I was working a job. I was barely making $12,000 a year. He was making almost double what I was making because he was making good money. Mm-hmm. We had this new baby. I had an apartment. I, no, I need him to go to work. Mm-hmm. I need him to go to work because I need him to pay child support so he can t- help take care of his child. He's mm-hmm. not going to do me any good in jail mm-hmm. during prison time. So he ended up, um, uh, his attorneys, we ended up having to you do know, sue him, deal. do a plea deal, mm-hmm. and they ended up, we ended up getting, you know, personal injury because of, he, because of his in- my injuries and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. So in that, because I know you were saying like you were able to go to your father, you know, and he he came because I know a lot, a lot of times they like you said, especially back then, um, people are like keep it in the house, right? right. And they mm-hmm. are, unfortunately they often tell wives like what happens between you and hu- your husband is y'all's business, right? Mm-hmm. Don't bring that to our house. That's not our yep. business, and um, you know, and sometimes even friends now um fathers will say like if you're if you're in this moment if you're not going to leave them then don't talk to me about it right mm-hmm. like so you you become siloed and yep. you become silenced almost but it seemed like at least your father did um believe you yep. you know and then go but i know yeah. in that instance when you cut your hand your cousin was there yeah did she ever say anything or she didn't know exactly what how happened. it happened they she didn't know exactly how it happened she just knew that you know they just knew they heard me scream Mm -hmm. and all of that, but she didn't tell my family what happened because um, the next day she, um, she went on to church Mm -hmm. for some kind of, I I think one of his cousins, one of his friends or whatever that night ended up taking her back to our, our, our family down in the country or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she went on to church because I think she was thinking he was going to call my family who go who goes through something like that and ends up at the hospital with those kind of injuries and does not call the person's parents and let them know yeah. they're in the hospital. hospital. Mm-hmm. It was I had to call my family. I mm-hmm. called my mom and dad after I had had surgery, had been in intensive care, came out of intensive care, was in the recovery room. And I'm like, can someone, is my parents here? And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can somebody call my parents and please let them know that I'm here? Because they didn't mm-hmm. even know where I was. Right. Um, so 
when my dad got up there, you know, he visibly, when he saw, I mean, all this hand was bandaged up and they told him she almost lost her hand, the whole nine. Mm -hmm. He was visible. I mean, he was upset, mm -hmm. but until he could talk to me and find out exactly what happened. Yeah, right, right, he didn't know what to do, right, right, mm -hmm. and every time I tried to talk to my dad, he, he was right, right there. Right, right, yeah, he yeah. was right. He made sure he was right of there. Course. So I had to wait till I got to a point where it was just me and my dad. Or I, you know, tell him, look, I need you to come get come get me. Mm -hmm. I need to talk to you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was after I was able to talk to him by by myself. So like afterwards, because you know, a lot of times you'll see victims try to leave, and there's you know that's that's when they say it's the most dangerous. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so with your situation, did you have to get a restraining order from there? I don't even know if there was you know you were talking about the times. What what kind of what was like your safeguard? I guess once we had, um, I think we did do some kind of something. Um, back then, they didn't have the 50 Bs. They right. didn't have the... But we did... Some, I think we had some kind of restraint order where he couldn't come within a certain feet of me. And when we worked it out so that when he wanted to get his child, because we were co-parenting mm -hmm. or whatever, he didn't... We didn't. I had full custody, but he still had visitation. Mm -hmm. So we worked it out so that when he wanted to get her, mm -hmm. he had to meet me at my parents' house. He wasn't to come to my apartment or anything mm -hmm. like that. He was to meet me at my parents' house and somebody was always there. Mm -hmm. And even if I was there, my mm -hmm. mom or my dad or somebody was there. Mm -hmm. So... um and he didn't, he never tried anything. So, you know, when he came around them, mm -hmm. you know, right. it was like he put on this different right. face. Right. So that's why when I was going through the abuse, it was so difficult for people to kind of understand it. or believe because mm -hmm. they were like, yeah. what? His dad coming. is a preacher, his mm -hmm. mom, she's so sweet. And then when he comes coming. around, he's so this and he's so mm -hmm. that and da-da-da-da-da. So, you know, when people put on that front mm -hmm. and they're around your people, it's like, Oh, okay. The they, they, they don't see that dark side. Yeah. Um, and it took me having to have a long conversation one day. I'll never forget it. I was at my parents' house, and uh, I was in the backyard with my dad. This is where we had some of our best conversations. <laughs> he was working on the car or whatever, yeah. and I was back there. You know, us daddy's <laughs> good. We back there talking and whatnot. So I was having a conversation with him, and I began to share with him everything that I had been going through. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'll never forget it because after I continued to share everything with him, my father literally broke down oh, and no, cried. No, broke down. And uh, in front of me, he was like, I had no idea mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. were going through this. Um, and I didn't, you know, it was all, it was a guilt thing too, because, mm -hmm. you know, you have this wedding and stuff and then, you know, you haven't been married that long. And the next thing mm -hmm. you know, you got family members saying, Oh Lord, you ain't been married that long. Mm -hmm. And you're going to sit up here and y'all, you're going to break up and da, 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 da. I'm like, and then even with certain friends, church mm -hmm. friends, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, was Christian, been Christian for a long time, but I had a, I went to a, one of my, my Christian sisters and was sharing with her what I was going through. And she had the audacity to tell me, well, God doesn't want you to leave your husband. Right. You need to stay and work it out. Uh -huh. And after a while, you know, I listened to that one or twice. I'm like, listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> the God that I know and the God that I serve mm -hmm. said that I am beautifully and wonderfully made in his image. It's not his desire for me to stay here and continue to get my behind whooped either. If you choose to stay in situations like that, that's on you, but that's not what I'm going to do. So needless to say, our friendship kind of ended, mm -hmm. but I had to do what was best for me and what I knew was best for me and my daughter. Right. And with co-parenting, because, I mean, she wasn't even one then, right. mm -hmm. were there any issues from there or even, like, with him putting his hands on her? Oh, Did no. you have any fear of that? Mm -hmm. That's what was my question. No. Um, because he loved her so much. You know, he always, I mean. He made that. Yeah, so. yeah. He made that. And, I mean, she was always his baby girl. Mm -hmm. So from the moment that she was born, I mean, you know, he, he loved his daughter. I never really feared that mm -hmm. um, because I think after everything transpired and I had gotten to a point that okay the the abuse I was out on my own and after he even after he ran me over with the car and all of that I had gotten to a point that my my family rallied around me mm -hmm. so he knew if you try something stupid then yeah. that might end your life mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I think it's because uh, I, I know you know as you being an advocate you can probably see the complete opposite of what you had with the family support, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you grew up in that kind of home, same, same as me, you know, grew up in a home 
parents are still married, yep. you know, didn't grow up in seeing domestic violence, you know, they're still in a loving home. Um, but you do see that. So you were able to go back into that kind of environment. Right. 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 Um, and that I think is a huge was probably a huge um, catalyst in you being able to move on and being yes. able to start healing. But a lot of people I'm sure that you've seen don't have that. That's like they right. don't that's have true. that support. That's um true. they have more of the friends that saying yeah. you should stay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the friends is telling them just out of the pocket, just leave. Just leave. And you can't yeah. tell a a victim of domestic violence to just leave. It is a process. Mm-hmm. There are things that need to be put in place because you never know. And it's always when that's when things get more vital and violent and it's you know it's they're more prevalent for death when they leave Mm -hmm. because that abuser has now lost that power and control Mm -hmm. domestic violence is all about power and control so when that person leaves Mm -hmm. they flip because they're like what is it that i need to do Mm -hmm. to get this power and control Mm -hmm. over this person back yeah um so that's a thing and you know I have seen women and I have counseled with women and talked to women. And my thing is, people ask me all the time, doesn't it get tiring because you see them, they come, they get some assistance, they get help, and then they go back. Mm -hmm. And I tell people it does and it's emotionally draining, Mm -hmm. but that's what God has called me to do because I have to wait on them. I can't make, when someone has had that power and control taken away from them, you give them that power and control back to make the decisions that they need to make for their own lives. Yeah. So I never tell them, I'm like, I'm here for you whenever you want to do whatever it is you want to do. Mm-hmm. You let me know and I'm going to move how you move. Yeah. We're going to take certain steps. We're going to do what we need to do and we're going to move a certain way. But I am not going to force you. I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. You tell me and I'm going to rock with you the whole way. Mm-hmm. So. And when you said like certain things need to be in place to leave, like what are some of those things that need to safety, be? safety planning, especially if there's children involved. Um, several years ago when I was back in Durham, um, I helped a young lady. She had five children. Um, she was in her husband was in the military. She was in Georgia mm-hmm. and she was being abused and, and she had the kids and she was totally under his thumb because she had no education, mm-hmm. no job, no none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was abusing her and he was threatening the kids, not mistreating the kids. So when she had left and left and went to her family, some of her family in Alabama, mm-hmm. she called me and she was like, I'm ready to go. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So there were certain things that I had to do to put in place. I'm like, okay, I'm going to send you a package. Mm-hmm. And I had things like sending her a cell phone, mm-hmm. uh, a non tra- a, tra- a cell phone, mm-hmm. sending her some money mm-hmm. uh, and a map. Okay, do you know how to drive? Can you drive from here to here? Okay, I need you to leave. And go- when you get this package, when you're ready to go, you need to leave and get from here to here, get to this hotel. I need you to call me. You got mm-hmm. money on the car to do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. When you get there, let me know. I'm going to head from here. I ended up leaving Durham and going because... She couldn't really drive in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. She because she just was so used to being, you yeah, know, right. in a small Atlanta, little Atlanta's so yeah, yeah. So yeah. she drove from her parents. She drove from her family's house. Mm-hmm. She drove from Alabama. She drove to a certain spot in in Atlanta and said, "I can't, I can't drive in this traffic. I'm scared." Mm-hmm. And so I got her to a certain spot. She was at a hotel. Got the kids something to eat. She didn't. He didn't know where she was. Mm-hmm. She had left the old cell phone behind. So uh, she could, he couldn't track her. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to drive from Durham to where she was mm-hmm. in Atlanta, go to where she was. I had to get a uh, rent a hitch, put mm-hmm. it on my truck, mm-hmm. on my SUV, hitch up her car, mm-hmm. pull her car back and put her and her five kids in my vehicle and bring them back mm-hmm. to Durham with me. And they stayed in my home Mm -hmm. until I could help her get Mm -hmm. herself situated with an apartment, a job, Mm -hmm. get the kids put in, get their records. And so when I say the things that have to be put in place, like if you got children, you get their school records, you have to so that you can get them in school, birth certificates, social security cards, um, all those kind of important uh, bank cards, Mm -hmm. if they have um, bank information, all of these important information and documents that they'll need when they get ready to leave Mm -hmm. so that they can reestablish themselves somewhere else. 
And a lot of times I know, well, we've seen in Lifetime movies, but um, like you saying she had five kids, I know a lot of times the um, abuser may use the kids oh, right yes. as leverage for, you know, so I'm just thinking like even if he, she hadn't had that safety plan and he knew he could have went and pulled them kids out of school, she wasn't going to leave without the kids, right. you know? Absolutely. Um, so, like, have you seen, I don't know, maybe potential kidnapping charges in those kind of situations? And Well, we actually, even with him, I mean, when I tell you he was in the military and I had to mm. go head-to-head with the military, mm. I had to go head-to-head with the military because, of course, they're going to try to protect their own until right. you bring them information. Mm-hmm. And when I started, we shared the information. This is what he's doing because he was a sergeant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was getting he was wrong. getting the BAH allotment mm-hmm. for her and all of the kids. Mm-hmm. He was getting all the money. He was controlling all the money. So once I started sharing all of this information with JAG and everything, um, she started getting the money that she was mm-hmm. entitled to. Mm-hmm. And we were going to court in Durham for her to get because she had gotten First thing we had to do was get a, a you know, a 50B to get the restraining mm-hmm. order so she could have temporary custody mm-hmm. of the kids. Well, when he did, when they did that and they served him, he came to Durham and he had to come to Durham to court. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's going to come up here in all his little military yeah, uniform yeah, yeah. and everything so that they can, you can have, he can have, you know, the prejudice mm-hmm. of the court and this, that, and the other. Um, and yeah, he would, he tried to, he had the children brainwashed because, you know, she would let them after a while call them, call him just to check in mm-hmm. or whatever because he was like, you're trying to Can't keep my keep kids, kids away from me. From me. Yeah. So uh, that it was a mess because the little, the daughter was a, such a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. She was calling him, sneaking and calling him, telling him things. And, you know, he ended up finding out where they, where they lived. Mm-hmm. We had gotten her, <laughs> we had gotten her set up in a four-bedroom apartment, furnished it with different resources in Durham. She had a good job that she would have never had because she had the lack of uh, education, education, but she had a good job, had the kids in school. They were doing great. Um, everything was going good mm-hmm. until he found out where the kids were going to school. Those kind of things started happening. He was trying to use that. And then next thing you know... He had her car repossessed because the car was in his name. So when they start taking things away from them, such as the fight that, that affects their finances. So he took her car. He had her car repossessed. He called and told him where the car was. She went out there one morning getting ready to go to work. The car is gone. So now she can't get to work. Um, so somebody that we knew let her use their let her use their car so she had transportation mm-hmm. next thing you know was a situation with the school he pops up up here from out of georgia and he goes up to the school and it it, it got to be a lot mm-hmm. and so the next thing i know the next thing she was good mm-hmm. everything was okay we get, but these small things and these small little the things yeah. were were breaking her down. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I went to her house one night to check on her and the kids, as I always did, just check on them and mm-hmm. you know make sure they were good. Left her house about six thirty to check on you know checking on them or whatever. The next day, went to work because we worked at the same place. Mm-hmm. I worked at the transportation uh, Durham area transit, and she drove um, one of the mini vans mm-hmm. over there. I get to work the next day and I just happened to walk over to talk to one of my coworkers over there and I said something about, yeah, I didn't see her car out mm-hmm. front. They were like, she doesn't work anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? She doesn't, I, what are you talking about? They said, mm-hmm. oh, she came and got her check this morning and said that mm-hmm. she was leaving. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. What was she driving? A U-Haul. Now, this is the same person that couldn't drive in Atlanta, and I had to hitch her vehicle up to my vehicle. But she had went, gotten there early enough to get her check, go to the bank, cash her check, go run a U-Haul, packed up everything that was in the in the, in the apartment. So they started packing the night right after I did my little check-in on them, went to the apartment, apartment empty. She done packed up everything, put in the U-Haul, put them five kids in that U-Haul, and back to Georgia she went. Mm. Well, she went back to Alabama to her family. Mm. And he ended up coming there because he was from Alabama as well. Mm -hmm. He ended up coming there, getting the kids. So he took the kids. So kind of like a kidnapping, but it really wasn't because by this time, you're not protected. 
Right. You don't have that temporary restraining order you, in, in effect. In Atlanta. Atlanta. It's not in effect there. Mm-hmm. You don't have that temporary custody order that mm-hmm. you had in Durham mm-hmm. in Alabama. Mm-hmm. He came up there. He took the kids, took them back to Georgia, and she never got them back. Never got them back. So, yes, I have seen those cases. Um, she never got those kids back. They yeah. stayed with him. Um, he took her. He ended up taking her to court in Georgia, getting a divorce. Um, had her arrested. <laughs> had her arrested because they had gotten into an argument and she did something to his car. He had her arrested. She was down there in jail. Um it was a mess, yeah. but she never got her kids back. Mm. Yeah. And he ended up trying to get child support from her. He's in the military. In the military, but all these as a sergeant, yeah, mind you. Right. as a sergeant. And but what he did too, also, is there was some clause that something how he whatever he did that there was some clause because they had been married for so many years. She was entitled to his mm-hmm. retirement mm-hmm. when he retired. Mm-hmm. He waited it out and he did something to the fact that when he divorced her and when he retired, she got none of his pension. Mm. So. And so was the um, help that you provide, is it done under your organization? You developed an organization. Yes, Healing Healing After Domestic Violence, Mm -hmm. HAD is the acronym. Um, So everything that I do uh, pertaining to domestic violence, assisting women and children and men, because we do have men that Mm -hmm. are victims of domestic violence as well. We do not discriminate. Um, Everything that I do is under the umbrella of HAD. Um, We offer counseling. Uh, court advocacy when we've gone to court, mm. um, any kind of resources that they need if we don't have them, which a lot of them times we don't have it on hand. Mm-hmm. I have a network of resources that I pull together. Um, if they need um, things like resume writing, I, you know, I, I'm a former instructor, college instructor, so I help them with yeah, resume writings, mm-hmm. um, budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to teach in the prison, and I have a curriculum. It's called Money Smart, and mm-hmm. it's like a ten module that te- takes you all through how to manage money, how to budget, how to look at your credit scores, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of help them teach them how to get that, you know, because yeah. a lot of these women are solely dependent yeah. upon yeah. the man, and mm-hmm. they don't That's have access. Mm, that's yeah. part of the control. Mm-hmm. So um, teach them any anything that they need. I, there's dangerous situations where I've actually gotten up, put my sweats on, load my gun up and leave up out of the house because I'm leaving out, going to help someone get out of mm-hmm. the situation yeah. um, and escape out of that situation. So um, as I've gotten older and become a, a, a grandma, I don't okay. try not to do that as much. Let's but there has um, been times where I've had to do mm-hmm. that and you know there's been some volatile situations where I've been shot at mm-hmm. um so yeah mm-hmm. and so what are you know signs to look for and I'm sorry I know I know it's a fictional show but the part where you're you were saying it's a process is so important to remember because Okay, you may not watch like P Valley, but there's I like, watch P Valley. Okay, mm-hmm. so you know the situation with mm-hmm. Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Are you caught up? Yes, I am. Okay, so of course everybody is so upset about that yeah. whole how that turned out. Yeah, and so, but of course, at least the first season, everybody's like, "Why don't she just leave? Like right. she makes the money, right. like this man." And to your point, like even again, fictional. Even though she's making the money, it's a process. It's it's such a mental thing right it's a mental thing it is mm-hmm. and she loved him mm-hmm. you know you have children you have small mm-hmm. children with this person you love this person mm-hmm. and again as women we love hard and we want to see a change we want to we want to believe the, we best. Want to believe the best because mm-hmm. i know i look i love p valley mm-hmm. uh jay nichols you know he went to central that's our guy she, yeah, um, you don't watch it. Okay. She has issues anyway. with black cinema. We oh, gotta get her caught. Okay, up. you will get you caught up because that's your that's your. He went to Central. Okay. Oh, um, just yeah. you know, and yeah. the other girls of Delta. So oh, the one that one of she's the main Delta. character. The Mercedes. Mercedes of Delta. Okay. Oh. Oh, all right, girl. But um, so <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, when the part came where. Diamond was getting ready to take him out and shoot him, mm-hmm. or getting ready to, you know, when yeah. he was beating him up, mm-hmm. and she pulled the gun on Diamond, and, and she pulled the gun on Diamond. Mm-hmm. 
I think when the season came back on, when she talked to Diamond, she was like, all I could think about is if you had killed him, where would you be? And where would they, how would things be right now? You know what I'm saying? So a lot of, it's a mental thing. It's yeah. an emotional tie. It's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will, I was quite upset when I saw, and I, I felt like it was going to happen because she was, she was getting ready to go. Everything was in place. But when she went to her mom's house, step-mama. went to her stepmama's house and said that he had already came and got the kids, that happens. Mm-hmm. Things like that happen. And she knew. But that's that As soon as she knew, no as soon as she said he came and got the kids, mm-hmm. she knew then that her plan to escape that situation mm-hmm. was ruined mm-hmm. because she had her stuff together. She had she the did, money. The she had the paperwork. She had the car. Mm-hmm. She had everything. She was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that happens. That's very realistic. Mm-hmm. Very realistic. So what are some, like you say, I mean, your wasn't even really a sign um, that ha- it was an actual incident of domestic violence oh, yeah. in your case before you yeah. got married. But what are some signs that a person can look for you know, if they're in a relationship and maybe it doesn't go to that level of, you know, getting smacked into a mirror. But, yeah. you know, like you said, there was a sudden mood change and it was mm-hmm. very controlling yeah. behavior. Um, wanting to know where you are, mm-hmm. who you with, where you going, um, trying to tell you where you can and cannot go. Um, these young people these days, I love our young people, but they need to be educated. And that's why I do a lot of talking and a lot of speaking to young people in high school, because all of this wanting to be on each other's social media, passwords, got to have passwords. They got to know who you with, where you going, what you're doing, all of that, mm-hmm. telling them what they can and cannot wear, um, just downing them, making them feel like if nobody's going to want them, but that person, mm-hmm. um, it's a you know this the the apps that they put on you know some people have put have put apps on mm-hmm. people's phones mm-hmm. so that they can track them to know where they're going. Right. So if you call my in, mom does yeah. this. I need to talk to my mom about it. What? Okay, so if they want to know where you are and what you're doing and who you with and we've been talking two weeks. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. all those kind of things. So the controlling any type, you know, controlling behavior, Mm -hmm. something that doesn't when it doesn't feel right, Mm -hmm. and you get that, "Mm, that's a little odd, you know. And I think a lot of times we need to teach our young ladies Mm -hmm. how you are to be treated, Mm -hmm. and when we treat, show them. This is how a man is supposed to treat you. This is what's healthy and this is what's not. Mm-hmm. They can, t- you know, tearing up your stuff, breaking your stuff, mm-hmm. throwing your stuff. I've mm-hmm. had I've had young young ladies that were getting ready to go to jail for domestic violence for mm-hmm. taking their boyfriend's phone, mm-hmm. going through his phone, and then taking his, not giving it back to him. That's Everyone you taking somebody's him. possession. Mm-hmm. That's you can't yeah. hold somebody's property like that. And then throwing it or tearing it up, mm-hmm. destroying it. Those all those kinds of things. Yeah. And especially, like, to your point, like, the verbal. Yes. I think people ignore the verbal yeah, because does. it's not physical. You yes. feel like, oh, they had a bad day. Like, to your point, like, people talking to you any kind of way yeah. or, like, yeah. just blowing up, that kind of stuff. Like, that's not normal. Yeah. My daughter, the one that, my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. um, we had a situation when she was growing up. She was a teenager. And there was a little young guy that was liking her at school. Mm-hmm. She was in middle school. Mm-hmm. And she was popular. She was smart. She was a cheerleader, you know, well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved her and so on. So I knew the principals and everything, but I knew them on a good term. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this little young guy that was liking her. And uh, she told me about him. I was like, okay. She was like, but, you know, she ain't, she was young. So I'm mm-hmm. be- very protective of my daughter. And so one day the little dude rode his bike to our house with a dozen of roses. And I'm like, I'm a grown woman. Ain't nobody came over here and brought no dozen of roses. But he came with a dozen roses. He said he had mowed grass and he saved with his money. Mm-hmm. And he rode his bike. And I'm like, okay. oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, who is this? And she's like, that's the little boy that likes me. And da, da, da. I'm like, okay. So she and I have always had a very close mm-hmm. relationship. So she would talk and tell me everything. So I was at the school one day and her principal called me to the side. No, I had been to the school and her principal saw me leave. She didn't catch me. She called me and she said, I just want to let you know that the little guy that is liking Chasley, he's 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 not a good influence. He stays in trouble. Mm-hmm. Something he doesn't, he stays with his aunt. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, I don't know, 
I don't know if that's a good influence to be around her. And I'm like, mm. oh, okay. But mm. his he had asked me if she could go with him to the fair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't let her just go with anybody. So his aunt mm-hmm. called me and was like, well, no, I'm going to take him. And, you know, I promise I'll have what time do you want her home? And I'll be there as a chaperone. So I'm like, okay, but I'm very protective of my daughter. So because the aunt asked, and I knew some people that right, knew right, her, right. I let her go. Mm-hmm. Well, when she came home that evening, mm-hmm. she was shaking she was not herself I'm and when she got home I'm like what's wrong mm-hmm. she said he got in a fight at the fair I'm like do what okay. she said he got in a fight at the fair with somebody with some guys and when I tried to pull him back they said come on let's calm okay. down he slung around and he pushed me and I was like oh okay mm-hmm. that's not gonna work that's not gonna work so I called this I'm like look he does not need to come over here anymore. Mm-hmm. She told me she got he got in a fight. We don't do that. Right. We don't do that. And mm-hmm. at the time, my daughter was doing teen court. She's mm-hmm. always wanted to be an attorney mm-hmm. since a little girl. So mm-hmm. she was doing teen court. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that girl was fierce, even at that age, when she mm-hmm. got her little assignment that this is who <laughs> she was going to represent, she studying right, and she right. had mm-hmm. her little stuff together. She in there getting her closing mm-hmm. statements. All of that had her little suit together. She was ready. Mm-hmm. So we went to teen court probably about a week later, and she had her stuff together. She's always been very, very confident. She was up there. She was doing her thing, and she was doing her statements, and she turned around and looked. And when she turned around and looked, he was sitting in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And when when I looked at her and she saw him, no, he was in the audience. No, he was in the audience. Mm -hmm. And when she turned around and saw him, her entire countenance changed. Mm -hmm. To the point that they had to take a reset, they take a break. Yeah, I said, that. something is not right. So I called her and I said, I went up to her, I said, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. She said, I told him not to come here that I did not want to see him anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I looked back there. So me and a couple of my sheriff friends went back there and mm-hmm. had a little conversation. I'm like, you need to go, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. She told you she didn't want you here. You need to leave. And we right. need to, I had to let him know, do not mm-hmm. come around her again at school. Don't talk to her. Don't don't deal with her. Don't don't just leave her alone. And she's got a brother, mm-hmm. one of my godsons. That he was at school and he let him. He's a boxer. He let mm-hmm. him know, don't mess with my sister. Right. So, but it was those kind of things when I saw that and when I saw the change in her, mm-hmm. that was a red flag. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. she had known enough from what I had talked to her about about domestic violence to realize. This is not healthy. Mm-hmm. This is not safe. This doesn't feel good. And I don't want any part of it. Right. right. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of it, like you said, with especially with younger people that may not recognize it, is mm-hmm. a lot of how it doesn't make you feel. Right. right. Sometimes we can interpret that as admiration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily so. But I also think um, some of the same things that you were saying sometimes might not necessarily be controlling while they are red flags. Like, I don't necessarily believe that um, a person telling you, hey, you know, your shorts may be a little too short. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, like, right. But someone who likes to wear short shorts, you know, as a teen, you got right. the body for it or whatever. That's just the way I like to dress. It might not necessarily be controlling. They might just be like, look, you coming around my daddy, you know. Right. Now, it's the you, way it is. It's the context and how it is. Right. But to tell somebody... Oh, you need to take that off. I don't like that. Right, right. You know, you yeah. need to take that off. I don't like. I don't right, want to see you in right. it. That's something different, yeah. you know. Yeah. But to to just kind of be overbearing and to try mm-hmm. to make and and to force their feelings oh, onto yeah. you, right? That's a difference. Like yeah. and like you were also saying, like how how they're saying it to you, right? The verbal, right. like probably right. name calling yes. with that. Yes. Um, yes. So you know, just pay really definitely pay attention to how. That what's what you're saying makes how it makes you feel because like you said her countenance changed you know yes. what I'm saying like yes. you know yes. suddenly you might not feel as safe you kind of feel leery like don't don't write those things off right right God gives right. women intuition for a reason, reason. and give it to us mm-hmm. very early like yes don't disregard it yeah for yeah. sure and and I'm not saying that when you're in a relationship with someone sharing with them where you're going mm-hmm. or who you with that's that's a sign of them wanting to control you. It's that's not always the case because we're in a time now. You need you to need let to somebody know, okay. what somewhere you going. Yeah, all of these. Yeah. 
You know, it's a lot going yeah, yeah. on. So if I'm going somewhere, I'm definitely, I'm letting Check my man in, yeah. know, listen, I'm going here. Right. I'm going to be over here. I'm gonna, I'll am i text you when I'm leaving and I'll let you know when I'm at home just so he knows. So he's not, he's not worried. Right. And it's not like, well, you got to show me. You got to tell me that. Right. No, I want you to know where I am because if you don't hear from me in a certain time, so I'm going to need you to call and check on me. Right. And there's so, very much a difference between that and I've been tracking you. You went where you said you were right, going to be. Right. Or coming home right. after being at the family reunion and exactly. you just go upstairs. Right. Exactly. I got a whole attitude exactly. versus, are you okay? You know, I try to exactly. call you. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, it's exactly. definitely, you know, a lot of body language goes right. into to the differences. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah, the and the intent it. behind yeah, the intent. it. You know, yeah. if the intent is I'm just I love you, but I'm just want to make sure you're, you're okay. Safe. It's a yeah. lot going on and I just want to make sure you're safe. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference in I just need I know who you with, where you who going. You with, da, 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 like, I yeah. want to put yeah, my right. finger on you. Yeah. That that's a yeah. that's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. Even to this day, you know, if I go somewhere, I'm gonna call, I'm a even just leaving Charlotte to right. go from Charlotte to home to Durham. Yeah. I'm before I leave, my man is gonna know where I'm at mm-hmm. and where I'm going. And my dad, my mom and dad, I'm on my way to right. Durham. Yep. I'm mm-hmm. leaving now. And such and such. And they know if I'm not by if even if I if I have to stop and I try not to stop, I always make sure I got enough gas to get me there. Right. But if I have to stop me, I try not to use the bathroom till I get there. Cause it's just mm-hmm. so much it's so it's much going on. Lot. But if I have to, then yeah. I'll I'm all if before I get out of my car and put my concealed weapon on my side, okay. I'm gonna let my daddy know, listen, I've stopped at such and such gas station. Yeah, I'm getting ready to go in the restroom and I'll let you know when I'm back in the car and when I'm headed back out back on eighty five because I just want to let somebody know where I am and yeah, what, yeah. what's going yeah. on. So yeah, that's yeah, a difference. So what would you tell someone like if they're going through it now or they're, you know, they're not quite there, they're thinking about it. What, what advice would you give somebody going through it? The advice that I would give them is to search your heart. Look at what your situation is. And if you have children, how is it affecting the children? Mm-hmm. Because the things that we allow ourselves to stay into, there are so many children that are affected by the residual of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if they're thinking about it, you know, if they want to talk to somebody, you know, I'm going to share my information. Um, If they're thinking about it, then, you know, reach out. We can get together and talk about it. I'm not going to persuade a person either way, but I am going to be that listening, non-judgmental ear to say, Mm -hmm. okay, what is it? And again, put that onus and that power and control back in up. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. What do you see yourself in two years? And in your current situation, the things that you want to see yourself doing, can you do it in that current situation? Mm-hmm. Are you safe? That's going. That's my first question when I mm-hmm. talk to them. Are you safe? Are you and the children safe? Mm-hmm. Are you in a good space? Because if you're getting abused every day or you just don't know when the next hit is going to come, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about how you're living and what your situation is right now? Mm-hmm. And let's talk about mm-hmm. it. Let's talk about it. Let me see what you want to do and how I can help you. And then when you're ready, to make a move, we'll do that, and I'll walk with you through that mm-hmm. process. But I have to put that back on them and say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a decision for you. Right. I'm here when you're ready, mm-hmm. but you know when you're ready. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they are per- and when you're going through it, you know when enough is enough. Now I knew it was building up mm-hmm. for me. Right, you know I, people say you shouldn't have married him because when he hit you, that's true. When my hand got cut. Mm-hmm. You should have left then. Okay, but I got a hand that's cut. I'm going through physical therapy and this, mm-hmm. that, and I'm trying to get my focus is I got to get me back right. right. I'm I'm handicapped right now, so I got to get me back right. And right. then as soon as I was at a, at a point where I was getting functional mm-hmm. with that, I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. It was plain. I mean, it wasn't a mistake. So mm-hmm. I was, this is my blessing from God. Mm-hmm. Got pregnant, brought this beautiful baby into this world, and that was my that was my my true why. Mm-hmm. She was my true why. I knew what I wanted for myself, but I knew I wanted better for her. Right. And so when she came into this world, I'm like, okay, this is I'm not gonna yeah. take but so much. And mm-hmm. then when he hit me that last time, and I landed right beside mm-hmm. her and looked in her face as a, as a newborn baby, mm-hmm. four five four five month old baby, three months. No, she was only two or three months. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing her cry, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Mm-mm. 
this is this is not this is that's this is it. I got I gotta go. I gotta go. So a person knows when enough is enough. So give our diva family your information for your organization and how they can reach out to you if okay. they want resources, donations. Um, yes, and to volunteer. We need, yes, we yes we yeah. always are looking for funding because we are private. We we you know looking for funding all the time. We're looking for volunteers because mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, the website is www.healingafterdv.com. You can find all of my contact information there. The telephone number is 919-307-7613. Please feel free to reach out to me. I do public speaking. I do webinars. I do all of that. So please feel free to reach out, and we will definitely get back with you and share anything that we we can. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and definitely um, thank you for all the work that you have done and yeah. putting literally putting your life on the line um, to serve the purpose that you promised God you would do. Um, it has been, I'm sure, a scary journey, but also a very rewarding journey when the things do go right. So, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the work that you do. And we will have her information in our show notes below. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for having all right, me. Right, you all. That is all we have for today. Um, like Quick said, we will have all this information and also some resources just in case there's someone that's going through and, um, you know, it's totally anonymous, but just make sure you have the things that you need um, to stay informed. Um, our website is www.divasandducats.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram under Divas and Duckets. And um, if you would like to email us questions, comments, shenanigans, concerns, diva advice at gmail.com. All right, y'all. In the meantime, in between time, have a great attitude. All right, bye. Bye.